Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Stranded planes, bombed-out buildings, and unrecoverable debts, all brought about by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, could end up costing investors billions of dollars. Right now, there are around $10 billion worth of Western-owned airplanes trapped in Russia. The owners are required to get them back by Monday, and Russia is making plans to nationalize them. Russian aviation is one of the key targets of the sanctions imposed by the EU. The sanctions prohibit the sale, transfer, supply or export of any aircraft or aircraft components. Leased aircraft are included in these sanctions. As such, existing lease contracts with Russian carriers have to be terminated within 30 days of the sanctions being imposed, and that means that all existing contracts must be terminated by the 28th of March, which is next Monday. As soon as the sanctions were announced, airline leasing companies rushed to get their airplanes that were leased to Russian airlines back, impounding 78 of them at airports around the world over the last few weeks. The Kremlin moved quickly to block aircraft repossessions by passing a law allowing foreign airplanes to be re-registered in Russia, effectively nationalizing them. Russian airline companies lease a lot of planes. Aeroflot, Russia's national airline, has leased about half its fleet by value from non-Russian lessors. The Financial Times estimates that right now more than 450 commercial aircraft owned by Western companies are stranded in Russia, with a combined estimated value of over $10 billion. The airline industry reacted quickly to the announced sanctions. The sanctions on the provision of spare parts had an instant impact, with the Dutch carrier KLM asking two flights that were on their way to Russia at the time of the announcement to turn around mid-air. The legal mechanism for the repossession of leased aircraft is known as the Cape Town Convention, an international agreement that Russia has signed which allows secured lenders such as aircraft lessors to repossess the planes. The way such a repossession usually works is that the owner of the airplane files in a local court to enforce the contract, and once that's done, they can send a pilot to fly the plane back to be serviced and released to a new company. Under the EU sanctions, the leasing companies have until March 28, so next Monday, to cancel contracts, and then they have to find a way of collecting the planes from Russia. The new Russian law gets in the way of this, as it effectively means that Moscow can confiscate these airplanes. But of course this law would only apply in Russia. The planes could never leave the country again. Tony Ryan, the co-founder of Ryanair, effectively invented the aircraft leasing industry when he founded Guinness Peet Aviation in the 1970s. And this heritage, combined with attractive tax rates in Ireland, means that the airline leasing industry is dominated by Irish companies, where 14 of the world's top 15 lessors are domiciled. For this reason, most of the planes leased by Russian airlines are Irish-owned. 
Although this new law has been passed in Russia, so far the planes don't yet appear to have been formally nationalized, but this could of course be done at a moment's notice. Authorities in Russia are possibly using the existence of this new law as leverage, and it appears that instead of enforcing it right away, they're trying to negotiate their way around the sanctions. The Russian transport minister put forth this week that alternative options include continued lease payments or an outright purchase of the jets. The owners have been unwilling to negotiate on this front for the obvious reason that any financial agreement would be a clear breach of the sanctions on Russia. The Russian transport minister told the press, we are not losing hope, but we are not giving them back because that would mean to leave oneself without aviation. Bermuda and Ireland, where many of the planes are registered, have suspended the airworthiness certificates of the planes trapped in Russia. Once again, this only means so much, as if they don't ever leave Russian airspace, they only have to comply with Russian law. International flights, both in and out of Russia, have mostly stopped due to widespread airspace closures, but the few flights that are happening are being operated by Russian-owned aircraft. Russia seizing these planes would mean that these planes would likely never fly internationally again, but the nationalization would also give Russia the domestic fleet it needs to keep operating internal flights, and quite a few spare planes that could be cannibalized for parts to overcome the OEM parts ban. Russia is quite a large country, and there would be plenty of use for these planes within Russian airspace, or between Russia and countries like China and India, who are not sanctioning Russia. Credit Sites, an independent credit research firm, argues that Russia could use the impounded aircraft for what they call Russia Pariah Airlines, and the Russian transport minister has said that Russian authorities are examining how Iran managed to maintain flights under many years of similar restrictions. Iran has managed to get by for years with an aging fleet of Western aircraft, and apparently they can buy counterfeit parts for these planes in China, or manufacture them internally in Iran, but reliability becomes a big issue over time. It's worth noting that Iran's aircraft, being older planes, are significantly less software-intensive than recently made planes, so homemade parts might not necessarily work at all on the newer models. Aeroflot has most of their technical maintenance done in Germany, and without access to skilled technicians and spare parts, these planes may not be able to fly safely for very long. The airline leasing business has not been an easy one over the last few years. They've had to be quite flexible with their customers due to the pandemic. The reduced demand, particularly for wide-body aircraft, encouraged lessers to work with troubled airlines rather than taking aircraft back over the period. Airline leasing companies buy around 60% of new passenger jets and lease them out to airline companies around the world. They can do this as they have access to cheaper financing than most airlines, and they can send airplanes to the parts of the world where there's the most demand. This means that they're less exposed to off-seasons than a lot of airlines who might mostly serve a particular geographic region. While this situation may be a significant financial hit to the leasing company's balance sheets, it should not be an existential threat. 
While they will book losses on the lost revenue, as well as possibly the value of the aircraft, it doesn't appear that the situation will lead to bankruptcies. Aircap, the world's biggest lessor, has around 150 planes leased to Russian customers, with an estimated value of $2.2 billion. This is 5% of the value of their global fleet. SMBC Aviation Capital is the next in line with planes valued at around $1.3 billion leased to Russian customers. Avalon has planes with an estimated value of $266 million leased, which is a bit over 1.5% of the value of their fleet. Initially, most of these companies will have some protection due to the security deposits that they take, which are typically three months' worth of lease rentals. After that, they'll fall back on insurance companies, and apparently discussions with insurance companies have already begun, with some lessors reviewing whether their aircraft hull insurance coverage will help them recover prospective losses. Russian airlines typically would buy primary insurance from Russian insurance companies, which in turn might reinsure with Western companies or syndicates in London or Bermuda. This situation could potentially cost insurers billions of dollars in claims. The fact that Russia passed this new law allowing foreign airplanes to be re-registered in Russia might help the airline leasing companies, as it demonstrates Russia's intent to confiscate the planes, which is often a critical aspect of war risk insurance. Of course, different companies will have different insurance policies. The global market for specialist insurance, with Lloyds of London at its centre, is already pricing in a hit. Shares at Lloyds underwriters such as Lancashire and Beasley, specialists in exposed areas such as war and political risk, have fallen sharply in recent weeks. Lloyds, which took a net blow from COVID-related claims of more than $4 billion in 2020, have not made any announcements about their overall exposure, but said that Russia and Ukraine account for less than 1% of their premiums. It's estimated that a worst-case scenario where planes could not be recovered would leave the global insurance market with a loss of over $5 billion. A loss like this far outstrips the returns available from writing this type of insurance, and some underwriters might decide to exit the sector entirely. Insurance premiums would be expected to rise in the future as the risk of the sector is reassessed. Aircraft leasing companies have reported that some insurers were progressively cancelling certain elements of affected insurance policies. If this is happening, the dispute will likely come down to the timing of the cancellation notices. Did they come after sanctions were imposed, but before the planes were expropriated? Experts in the space are arguing that if insurance losses mount, we would likely see a situation where the insurance companies look to governments to take some of the hit, given that the losses will have been brought about by government action. As you can imagine, this whole situation will be good for lawyers. Aircraft leasing companies usually either own their airplanes outright or finance them by selling asset-backed securities, meaning that they sell bonds that are backed using the planes as collateral. As the airlines repay their lease, the money flows through to pay interest in principal on the bonds, with higher rated tranches of debt being paid first. 
One asset-backed security from Carlyle Group's aircraft leasing business, issued in 2019, includes five planes leased to Russian and Ukrainian airlines. These leases make up more than 30% of the collateral backing the bonds. They have another trust with 24% of value with those exposures. Ukraine still has a functional banking system and is making debt repayments, though. Another deal from Castle Lake, issued in 2017, includes seven leases to Russian airlines, and this makes up more than 20% of that portfolio. The ratings agencies, who are always quick to close the barn door after the horse has bolted, have placed many tranches of these deals under review. According to S&P, the lease terminations and repossession of the planes under such a challenging environment may further stress revenue collections for affected securitized transactions, which are still on a slow path to recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. There are many ways this situation could work itself out, but in the medium term it's likely that we'll see companies that operate internationally take political risk a lot more seriously. Over the last 30 or more years, we've seen Western companies trying to open up new markets all around the world to expand their businesses. When we look at the supply chain disruptions that came as a result of the COVID pandemic and this situation in Russia, we might see companies looking to do more business close to home where these risk factors may be more manageable, an acceleration of the trends towards onshoring and nearshoring. Have a great day and talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.